Remember that uh, we are still in the faith and discipline topic for the year. And uh, today uh, I really want to reflect on this a little bit because uh, there's still three copies of this this piece of artwork if you still haven't gotten you a copy to hang on your refrigerator or whatever. But uh, uh, faith and discipline, we started out the year with, with the topic of the disciplines of our faith, those things that we should, ought to, we better be doing whether we feel like it or not because uh, actually the disciplines it doesn't start with the disciplines it starts with the faith it starts with the this 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 surrender and submission to God who has given and gifted for us to have salvation and redemption and regeneration and it's in that relationship of salvation and redemption this adoption that God's given us that we begin to exercise in our lives disciplines that reflect that relationship with him. So, so this, this whole faith and discipline thing, it all starts with faith. And, and, and as we consider these books that, that I believe God was leading me to, oh, way middle of the year last year, we're in Ecclesiastes. And, and guess what? Solomon started with a faith. Solomon started with a, 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 a devotion to worship and a devotion to God and his wisdom and, and a devotion to, to, you know, the procession to the temple <clears throat> to honor God with his life. And yet he lost his disciplines. So if you look at Ecclesiastes and start to realize that, that Ecclesiastes, the source material for Ecclesiastes is Solomon's life, and I believe he's writing it toward the end of his life or later in his life, and he's looking back over and going, guys, I had it all. As a matter of fact, I did it all. Uh, I, I, I was involved. And, and guess what? Now I got 300 wives and 700 concubines. Right? This is Solomon's own testimony. And I look at this and I go, wow. What, what, what happened to his faith? Is it possible for someone to be that close in walking and worship and serving and loving God to turn that far away from following him? You see? So I believe that as he writes Ecclesiastes, he writes of his life's lessons that he, he, he makes those pronouncements of what it is to live under the sun what it is to live a purely secular worldly that, that this this sort of temporal existence on earth pursuing the things of the world pursuing the things that quite honestly the the uh, the deceiver the adversary satan uh, uh this 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 prince of the power of the air uh throws at us and, and, and get and, and people give into it solomon gave into it see so i want to Read these verses, and, and, and we're just looking at verses 1 through 10 of chapter 10, and there are outlines and other things here that say this is not a, a, a right breakdown of these verses, but anyway. Uh, chapter 10, I entitled this just wise stuff. This is just Solomon acknowledging what, what wisdom looks like. Okay, here we go. Dead flies. How about that? Don't you like that start? I think that's a cool way to start a chapter. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise person's heart goes to the right. 
But a fool's heart goes to the left, or a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense, and he shows everyone he is a fool. If the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post, for calmness puts great offenses to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler. The fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich man remain in lowly, rich remain in lowly positions. I've seen slaves on horses, but princes walking on the ground like slaves. The one who digs a pit may fall into it. The one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. The one who quarries stone may be hurt by them. The one who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. However, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. Pray with me. God, I thank you for the morning and the opportunity we have to spend in your word today. God, I thank you for the songs we can sing, for the proclamations and testimony we can sing as we declare my Savior, my God, <clears throat> as we encourage ourselves and each other to trust and obey. God, even as we as we look at, at, at this the obstacles we face and know that we can face them in a confidence, God, not of our own skill, our own wisdom, our own uh, strength, but God, a confidence in you. God, again, I thank you for, for meeting us this morning and meeting with us this morning. God, help us to, to hear you, hear your voice, not mine. Hear your word, not my words. And God, more than that, help us to listen. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. Remember that on the 25th of June, we're going to do a question and answer Sunday. If you have any questions you'd like to ask somebody on staff or whatever, we're going to, we'll put chairs up here and just answer questions that day. So if you've got a question, uh, grab one of these cards and fill it out and drop it in the little box over there, okay? Uh, these will be available this Sunday and next Sunday, and then they won't be available the next Sunday. Because we need time to answer questions. Okay. Dead flies. Anybody y'all ever make perfume? Anybody here ever make perfume? All right, so here, here's the second question. Any of y'all ever do the whole, the, the newest fad, the essential oil stuff? Say, oh, yeah, man, yeah, got some essential oils, yeah. Somebody gave me a little bitty thing. I don't know how they make bottles that small, but somebody gave me this little bitty bottle of peppermint, right? Just peppermint oil and said, for your sinuses or something. I don't know. Anyway, I forgot. But they said, you know, you just put that somewhere before you go to bed at night, right? Well, obviously, I didn't take a whole lot of it to heart, right? But guess what I do know? When I took that little lid off that little bottle, it smelled like peppermint. It didn't smell like dead flies. Okay, But you see, when you start a passage like that, and actually a lot of the commentators say that, that it really goes back to uh, chapter 9, verse 18. The last part says, One sinner can destroy much good as dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment. Uh, I, I remember taking a class once upon a time on, uh, on Hebrew poetry. Uh, I think I got about as much of it as I got out of American poetry. I, I just don't understand. And so I looked at this passage for the last several weeks, and I was just like, all right, this is just, this is just you know, uh, 
uh, Solomon shooting wisdom statements at it. Here, pay attention to this. Here, pay attention to that. Here, pay attention to that. And I'm looking at him going, okay, yeah, what perfumer is going to put a dead fly in his oil? Going to cause it to ferment and steep. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now, here's what I want you to recognize in this thing. If you've got a, a, a container of oils that you're making perfume out of and, and, and a fly in it, the fly's outnumbered by the oil, right? But the fly can mess up the rest of it. That's what he's referring to here. The folly, a little folly, can outweigh wisdom and honor. One mistake can change the whole trajectory of your life. So what Solomon's warning us about is, is to walk wisely, to walk in a way that, 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 that we don't wander beyond you know, a, a, a path of wisdom. When I was, uh, uh, one of my educational pursuits once upon a time was psychology. And I remember learning that there, there were these, uh, I took a class called developmental psychology. Hmm. Okay. Uh, there, 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 there's a stage in there where they say that after you, you 18-ish, you know, there were no fixed hard numbers. You didn't just, all of a sudden become something. Somewhere around 18 to 24, you're in this, this, this kind of personality, identity stage where you're discovering who you are and you're, you're leaving the identity of your family of origin kind of thing and you're embarking into this identity of adulthood and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I look back at being 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 3, and I thought, no, I was, I was still pretty much, let's see, yeah, I was a clown through it all. I, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, right? But I, I, I've told people, man, I turned 24, and it's like a light switch went off in my head. Boom. Prior to 24 years old, I could walk in a room and see a bunch of kids swinging on the blinds. And I'd go, that looks like fun. And then something happened at 24 where I walk in that same room, same kid swinging on the blind. I go, you're going to tear that up. You, know, you understand the process. You understand that this sort of step of seeing beyond the, inter the immediate choices that you're making. You see, what, what are the consequences? What could that lead to? Where could I end up? You see, Solomon... You know, Solomon, I believe in his own life and as ruler and king and all that. I, I, I believe he got sort of that, that, that kind of uh, enticed by who? Queen of Sheba? Women who were visiting his kingdom? So much so that he began to set up other worship places in his, in his capital city? That, that he even began worshiping those, those, those deities that called for the sacrifice of children? See, man, Solomon began in a faithful place asking God for wisdom to lead the people, but he ended up in, a, in an unfaithful, undisciplined, unwise place. And now we're coming back to the end of his life, and, and the beauty is, is that next week we're in chapter 11, and then the next week we're in chapter 12, and that's the good part of Ecclesiastes. All these first 10 chapters are just the folly of it all, the vanity of it, the meaninglessness, the, 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 just the, the futility 
of chasing after the things in the world. You see? So when I look at these passages, I'm trying to figure out, all right, so what is it about this passage that, that anchors for us? All righty? So, 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 so what he's saying is, is that, you know, let's see what foolishness looks like versus wisdom. A wise person's heart goes to the right. See, in our culture, I'm wondering if that's a political statement. I don't know. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But a fool's heart to the left. So what it's referring to there, that right, that word right is, is a, a, a wise person's heart uh, is skilled. Uh, he, he exhibits a, a, a skill in living, uh, the wisdom of, of making right choices, of doing right things, of, of being, uh, you know, having that, an observable wisdom. Have you ever observed wisdom in action? You ever seen it? Right? I mean, I mean, there's some wisdom that's just obvious, right? All right, let's 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 pick one out. Let's let's make an obvious wisdom statement. It is very wise not to run a red light. Right? The consequences of running a red light could be devastating not only to you, but uh, whoever's coming, right? So, so let's say, hey, that, okay, that, you know, we would all sit here this morning as, as folks and, and those of us who have driver's license and go, yeah, I see that as wisdom. But are there some other things that, that we don't quite see or recognize the consequences of that say, okay, I'm going to visit a place of questionable activity what could that end up like see what I mean so so recognizing wisdom seeing wisdom the question and the point this morning is would you know wisdom when you hear it when you see it would you recognize wisdom and do we recognize foolishness do we recognize foolishness See, I think it's interesting that um, we live in a world now that, that is trying to convince us <clears throat> that there's not a, a um, what, a binary existence? Things like up and down. Yes! Obvious, right? There's an up and there's a down. How about front? Back. All right, so somebody tell me, what's the front of the church? Is it here or is it there? I've never been able to figure that one out. Okay, anyway, never mind. All right, so how about good and bad, evil? See, I would partner righteousness and evil together. Righteousness and evil. Wickedness, right? Uh, how about right and wrong? Wise and Foolish, unwise. See? That's what we live in. Listen to these words again. A wise person's heart goes to the right. A, 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 a skillful living of life, and the fool's heart goes to the left. An ineptness. Uh, 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 uh. There's so many words I'd love to use right there, but when Eli was born, I was told I couldn't use those words anymore in front of children. 
Verse 3 says, even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense. That, that fool's heart going to the left. We see him making wrong choices. We see him abiding in places that the outcome cannot be good. And he shows everyone he's a fool. Verse 4, if the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post. What is he saying? Just because you see anger, it's not the point to leave what you're supposed to be doing. It's not the point to to, to sort of uh, uh, abandon who you are. For calmness puts great offenses to rest. Here's the key to this whole passage already. Took me several days to kind of zero in on this. Solomon, remember, we're reading Solomon's devote his, his memoirs, his journal, so to speak. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler. The fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich man remain in lowly, rich remain in lowly positions. Here's what he's saying. I haven't always been the wise one. I haven't always made wise choices. Matter of fact, I've made some very foolish choices. I've appointed people I should never have appointed. I've raised people up I should never have raised up. I've allowed things to happen in my kingdom that I never should have allowed to happen in my kingdom. So these are the the wealthy, the the rich man in this thing is not a recognition of of the accumulation of stuff. The rich man represents uh, the wisdom of living in order to provide and accumulate in those things. It's not about just the wealth that he's recognizing. There's a wisdom in the accumulation of, of God's provision in his life. He says this, and this is his own mistakes. I've seen slaves on horses. I've put slaves on horses and I put prince, princes walking on the ground like slaves. See? So, 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 so Solomon's whole point of these, these few verses right here, when you see him making wisdom statements, he's making wisdom statements based on his own experience. Right? So let's ask ourselves a few questions. Obvious wisdom versus ignored wisdom. See, wisdom, I've always characterized wisdom as knowledge and the understanding of how to use knowledge. Okay? I have known some very knowledgeable, very super intelligent people who couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. They just didn't have the understanding to, 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 to make wise choices. Though they could be smarter than... than, than, than uh, they just couldn't make wise choices. They didn't know how to use knowledge. You see? What is ignored wisdom then? Ignored wisdom is, is recognizing a wise path, choice, situation, recognizing wisdom and choosing something else or the opposite. You know, this was interesting to me because I was a youth pastor for 14 years. <laughs> I would tell kids, I'd say, look, I expect you to make mistakes. 
Kids make mistakes, right? See, we'll all nod at that because you know why? Because adults do too. Kids make mistakes. And I'd say just be careful that you don't make the mistake that alters the rest of your life. See? Recognize wisdom. Don't ignore wisdom. Don't disregard the those in your life who are trying to share with you what is good for you. Okay? Then he goes on to this little thing here. The one who digs a pit may fall into it. So this is sort of a a, a reference to to entrapment. Okay? So so imagine the uh, the hunter digging the pit for the animal that's coming down the path <laughs> and then trips and falls into his own pit. That's the picture he's painting there. You know, this idea of of trying to 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 set some sort of trap for someone else and you end up in your own trap. Or the one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a stake. You know why? Because you go charging through a wall. You don't know what's on the other side. That's an exercise in foolishness. Rushing in, right? And that, that that's some kind of common phrase we got. Fools rush in, right? Y'all heard that? I think there's a movie and a song and a probably some country singer. I don't know. Maybe y'all like country music. I'm just kidding. The one who rushes through the wall might be bitten by the snake waiting on the other side. The one who quarries stones can get hurt. I mean, some people, somebody's got to dig the stone. But recognize that it can be dangerous to do those things. One who splits logs could be endangered by logs. Right? A rolling log can do damage. So when we look at all these things, we see Solomon going, you know what? In my life, I've seen wisdom and I've seen foolishness. In my own choices, I've done some wisdom, but I've also done some foolishness. Here's the question. Would we listen in application to our own lives. It's funny, we were singing that song, Confidence, and it said in there, I will face my giants with confidence. Obviously, that's the picture of <clears throat> David and Goliath, right? That that that's that 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 you know, young David walking out to face a giant, and and Saul telling him, "Don't do it because he's bigger than you." Here, wear my armor. Here, do all this stuff. And and what is David's David's confidence in? Is it in the armor? Is it in the army? It, it, is it even in the stones in his sling? No, his confidence was in God. Folks, I, I I I do well to govern my own life, okay. But I can tell you something: I've seen foolishness, and I know folks who have said to me in my life, "I wouldn't do that if I were you." And I know there have been times in my life where, where you know, I didn't ask the questions. Right? Somebody says to you, "I wouldn't do that if I were you." Do you ever go, "Why not?" Tell me. Give me some wisdom so that I can make a wise choice in this manner. No, I was kind of the one that if somebody said, I wouldn't do that if I were you, I'd go, well, you're not me. Right? That, that's Clown Bobby. That, I did that stuff. Or I'd even be worse than that. And I'd go, well, I don't care. 
right? Folks, wisdom is acknowledging that, guess what? God is providing for us in our lives. And, and there are some people who are going to say things and show us things and do things in our lives that we should pay attention to. Uh, somebody was asking me kind of out in the hallway this morning about my parents, which uh, next week's my week to go back up there, not this week. I was here all week this week. So um, next week I'll go back to my parents' house and inevitably I'll weed eat some grass and push a lawnmower and maybe chop down a tree or two and all that sort of thing. The last verse of this passage says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. Now, if you don't have wisdom, okay, let me, let me give you the reverse of that. If you find yourself choosing and acting foolishly, you need to surround yourself with a little wisdom. You need to find somebody who'll speak truth into your life. You need to be willing to hear somebody set before you the righteousness of God rather than the wickedness of the world. Okay? What would you rather chop wood with? A dull axe or a sharp axe? Because if you use a dull one, you have to exert more strength. And then sort of the final statement, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. Wow. You know, when I was a young pastor, which I don't know that I ever was, I, I went to Maryland in 1998 to be the what is now referred to as a lead pastor. I, I have always flinched from the title senior pastor because my dad is Robert Earl Owings Sr. I'm still a junior there was a guy up there that I respect deeply. His name was Lynn Pieca. Just in my lifetime, one of the godliest men that I have ever met. And we would talk about church. We'd talk about the mission of the body of Christ. We would talk about what each part within the body of Christ is meant and called to do. And, and he would ask me questions. Well, well, Pastor, what do you think about this? Well, what? He would always call me Pastor. And he was he was a decade or more older than me. But he was always, you know, that was our relationship. And he would say to me, he would say, and this is the thing that just baffles me to this day, he would say, you have a wisdom way beyond your years. Well, that was, you know, for that man that I respected greatly to say that to me was really encouraging. It really kind of, hmm. Well, guess what I realized today? I caught up with my wisdom, right? Now I'm the old guy in the room, and I'm the one saying to people, make sure you choose wisdom, not foolishness. Make sure you do that which God has provided and prepared for you. See, this morning, we look at the world around us, and if you don't see foolishness in the world around us, and I'll say it again, you're not paying attention. 
people are acting foolishly. And beyond foolishness is wickedness. People are acting wickedly. Okay? See, God is always at work. First, for His glory. Second, for our good. Choose God's glory. And you'll experience God's good in your life. See, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You need Jesus. Okay? I saw that t-shirt somewhere and I was like, y'all need Jesus. Man, you go out in the world. People need Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. Maybe you know him. Maybe, Maybe you're walking with him. Maybe you're talking with him. Maybe you've got a strong relationship with him, and yet there are still things in the world that distract you or, or interrupt your walk or draw you down a path that you know is not where God wants you to be. The Bible calls that sin, by the way. You've got to confess that and repent of that. See? I say the second thing you need after Jesus is, is the body together, accountable. Meeting together, worshiping together, serving together, right? Being a part of what God's doing within the body of Christ. Don't miss it. See, without those sort of boundaries, the world has an opportunity to take you down the wrong path. Should I say the left path? I don't know. Right? The caution of Solomon is beware, be careful, and finally behave. Okay? We're going to sing one more song, give you the opportunity to respond to God. You're not responding to me. You're not responding to the gathering. You're responding to God and and what He's spoken in your life. What will you say to God this morning as we sing this last song? Pray with me. Father, thank you for today and God, all that you seek to accomplish in our lives. I thank you for Solomon's words. I thank you, God, for his wisdom. I thank you, God, that that he gives us an example of what not to do. But God, my prayer is, is that we would see in his example a wisdom that we can abide by, a wisdom that we can follow. God, by your spirit, give us direction. Give us guidance. Let us hear your voice in our hearts and minds. And God, help us to step rightly toward you. God, help us to to walk so close that we just don't miss what you're doing. God, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.